0: The following program is a paid advertisement and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of station owner WJUL Radio, LLC. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission To explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. We are coming to you from the studios of WJUL Talk Radio, 97.5 FM and 1230 AM. My producer, Tim Rose, is running the board and may, from time to time, interject his two cents. You with me, Tim? I am. Well, this program, listeners, is for you. No matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom. Your freedom. Where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. We're going to talk today with a good friend of mine and a, a gentleman who has a lot of experience in the economic area Jim Davis uh tell us a little about your background Jim Davis I want to when people hear you talk about uh finance and international finance I'd like to know uh, I'd like them to know that you know what you're talking about
2: Well I have a Dan thank you for inviting me uh I have a degree in economics and an MBA I think from one of those Ivy League colleges uh, Yeah, from Cornell, um, and I was an international banker for most of my adult life, and uh, I got to learn that much of what I learned in college uh, wasn't true. Uh, my job was to uh, make loans in uh, all over the world, and if uh, we didn't make good decisions and we didn't lend, uh, we'd lose our jobs. So, um, so you have really a lot of experience
1: dealing with the kind of problems that are going on in the world and in our country today. Um, Obviously, uh, during the introduction, you heard me talk about our producer, Tim Rose, putting in his two cents. Well, the two cents that he was going to put in last week is worth a lot less this week than it was last week because of inflation. And that, that really goes back to the entire problem we're dealing with. And that is that we are borrowing lots of money. You know, I think, I don't know if people really understand the concept of public debt. What, what tell us about public debt? What what do you
2: what is public debt? Public debt, quite simply, is money that the government borrows that it hasn't raised in taxes by uh, from people. So, of course, we know that governments
1: borrow money, uh, just like people borrow money. And probably neither should be borrowing money because it's probably a pretty unsafe and an unsound financial practice. Where where do we get this money?
2: Well, we we borrow it by the technical for we basically are borrowing it from the United States population or anybody around the world. Uh, basically, the U.S. Treasury uh, offers goes around and says, "Would someone lend us money?" For example. Dan Dan Eichenbaum, Dr. Dan Eichenbaum, we would like $10,000 and we'll pay you 5% interest and we'll pay you back in a few years. But what most people don't realize, and if you give them the $10,000, they, they'll pay you interest. And at the end of the maturity, they'll give you your $10,000 back. But what people don't realize is that Dr. Dan and Jim Davis and Tim Rose and everybody else in this country have to pay that money back. So it's not free money. It's not free money. So whenever the government says, we're giving you something, no, they are borrowing money or, or raising money in taxes to spend it on their particular interest. The government cannot give you anything that it does
1: not first steal from someone else. True statement or not? Amen. Amen. Okay, I didn't expect to get religion in the program, but I think when it comes to finances, I think we need a little bit of religion here. What, what are the What are the implications of a country borrowing money? I mean, we have different sources, and we all know that the Federal Reserve is involved. And I know that's that's probably a whole dozen programs right there. But I mean, we borrow money in different ways. What are the implications of borrowing money from different
2: places where do we get it and what does it mean well we'll get it from whoever is willing to lend us the money um as you know i don't know the exact percentages but you probably hear on the news that the chinese had over a trillion dollars in money they've lent to us and they have been when they the problem is most most people who borrow keep say they give you that $10,000 $10,000 for five years. At the end of five years, the government expects us to lend them another $10,000. And for example, the Chinese government has started asking for their money back at maturities. So does that mean that we're going to have to uh, sell our
1: soul? Or how do we, how do we go about giving as them money? As long
2: as someone gives the government money, they can continue to run these huge deficits. I think the best way to describe the situation of our government today is take someone who makes forty two thousand dollars a year but is spending a hundred thousand dollars a year and that pretty much is our government because right now we're um, we're bringing in about one and a half trillion dollars a year in taxes and we're our government is spending three trillion and borrowing the other one and a half trillion so that's like someone having a home who all right let's say I make fifty thousand dollars a year, and I'm spending a hundred thousand now that can happen as long as someone's willing to lend you the the extra fifty thousand that you don't have that you're spending well, so you and I
1: couldn't do that. we might get away with it for a year, maybe if we were really good looking we might get around get away with it for two years. Obviously, our government
2: has gotten the right way with it for decades i mean Why? Well, and it's part of the problem that uh, an important thing about debt is they have to pay interest. And that means that's money that won't go for other programs. Right now, um, if you read your tax return instructions, you will see most people don't realize, but entitlements like Social Security, Medicaid, uh, Medicare, and welfare Plus the interest on in our debt is more than two thirds of all the money our government spends
1: so let's let's come down to just basic some human terms if I, if I were to say to you or ask you the question is the United States of America bankrupt what, what would you what would your
2: answer to that be well there's a couple different answers when people say that they they point to the fact that right now we have about $16 trillion in government, just federal debt. Um, and our economy each year produces everything, about 15 or $16 trillion. So we could pay off our debt if every penny that every person makes in this country in the next year is used to pay off all our creditors. Of course, that would not leave money left for us to eat, so most of us would survive. So even though we're supposed to lose
1: weight and get thinner, that is not the recipe for doing it. So obviously what you're saying is is that the amount of our debt pretty much exceeds our ability to pay for it, even if the government took absolutely 100% of everything that everybody makes and earns and produces in this country, We could pay off the debt, but we would not be actually able to live. That's kind of what I would say is that's about as bankrupt as you can get, as far as I'm concerned. We're going to pay some bills here, speaking of money. So we're going to pay a few bills here at WJUL, and we'll be right back with Jim Davis. Do you have eye problems? Ophthalmologist Dr. Dan Eichenbaum, a graduate of Yale Medical School and the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute,
0: has the training and experience to give your precious eyes the expert care they need, whether it's cataract surgery, macular degeneration, diabetic eye disease, or glaucoma. Call Dr. Dan
2: Eichenbaum, 828-837-5404 in Murphy or 706-745-9777 in Blairsville. Medicare and insurance accepted, quality
1: eye care, regardless of your ability to pay. Are you a musician? Appalachian Sound can help. We offer music classes. Our store has a wide selection of name brand instruments and equipment. We also have a modern digital recording studio. We can convert your LPs and cassettes to CD and VHS to DVD. Appalachian Sound has a multimedia room with projector, screen, and sound system. Perfect for your next committee meeting, performance, or birthday party. We also offer video services. Appalachian Sound is located at 18 Creekside Plaza in Haysville, North Carolina. Call or come by today, 828-389-7113. Check out our upcoming events at AppalachianSound.com. A long,
0: long time ago in Young Harris, a restaurant opened with food so tasty and delicious, the
1: streets were chaos with bandits and outlaws fighting for a chance to enjoy one of their delicious steaks. That place is still here, and it's right down the road. Brothers at
0: Willow Ranch is the place for the finest steaks, seafood, burgers, and chicken in town. Located on Highway 76 in Young Harris, Brothers at Willow Ranch, where Southern hospitality is their specialty. Call for reservations today, 706-379-1272. Find the right club for you at the New Golf-Topia in Hayesville, your local discount golf store opening July 21st. Golf-Topia sports new and used clubs and consignment is available by calling 828-360-2103. Take a club on a test
1: drive using our hitting mats and putting surface and enjoy a free gift with your first purchase. Hutter up at the New Golf-Topia at 1124 Highway 69 in Hayesville in the Tri-County Plaza next to Color Splash and kick your handicap to the curb. We're back with Jim Davis, and uh, we were talking about the fact that uh, if you take the total debt per of this year of the United States, the only way to pay it off entirely would be to take every single penny that every single person earns and produces and use it to pay off the debt, which would, of course, leave no one anything to eat with or do anything else. So that's obviously not possible. So... There's another, there's another aspect to that, and that's just the actual debt. Is that right, Jim? It's just the actual debt. And there's another yes. number that really is probably much more important, and that is the unfunded liabilities. In other words, stuff the government has promised in the future to people but has absolutely no money to pay for. What kind of number are we talking about?
2: Well, the Congressional Budget Office just came out in last week and revised it based on the uh, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. It is now we have approximately $222 trillion, which is more than 10 times of what we produce each year. These, basically what this is, these are promises in legislation to provide goods and services that we have not paid for. And frankly, no one is ever going to get this because there there isn't enough money to pay for them. But our politicians like to get reelected, so they keep promising more and more things. And the Affordable Health Care Act was the latest thing. So so basically, if you want to put this in human terms,
1: we are seriously underwater in our mortgages.
2: Our mortgage is seriously under, underwater. Would you say that? Yes, but more than, more than that is we have promised a lot of people a lot of things that the economy, uh, the people who produce things can't possibly produce enough to meet all these things that our government has promised them. So if you haven't saved money for your old age or for your medical bills in the future, you're going to discover that those services will not be there. Unfunded liabilities,
1: empty promises made by politicians immorally, as far as I'm concerned, because if you promise to give something to someone and then you can't fulfill that promise, you have basically told them a lie. So we are really uh, really the victims of the lies of our government who have promised us a rosy future in order to get elected, but have absolutely no way of making good on
2: those promises. Uh, this is true, and one of the things people don't realize is that the, the more debt there is, the more interest we have to pay, which is also taking money out of the economy, because, again, if you raise taxes uh, to a corporation, that, ha- that means they have less money to hire new employees, and if you raise employees... Taxes. That means they have less money to spend on things, which means someone somewhere can no longer sell as much as they had before, and it's kind of like a vicious downward spiral, which is what we've had for the last few years.
1: Well, to me, and again, the Federal Reserve always comes comes into this. They're the uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, and uh, probably a well. Anyway, I'm not even going to mention them again, but. When they print money, they are diluting the money pool, which causes inflation, and then when the economy is stagnating because of high taxes, we have what we had 30, 40 years ago, namely stagflation. We have inflation with a stagnant economy, which didn't really work
2: out too well back in the the 70s, did it? No, but if you go a little further back, I'm big on economic history. I took a course, economics course. Wait wait a minute. I bet you took more than one course. Recently. This was very recently. And uh, I asked the professor, do you you know what the inflation rate was in the United States from 1790 to 1914, 125 years? It was 4%. He didn't know that. And I said, since the Federal Reserve Bank, which you just brought up. Uh, was created in 1914, which has a way, we're not going to talk about how they create money today, I think that's, but inflation has been about 400% since then. And governments have always done stimulus packages, and President Wilson, in 1914, when the the, the Federal Reserve was created, used the Fed as a vehicle to borrow money to finance us going into the war, and he got control of uh, industry and had a war board to tell industry what to make and all that. And um, didn't work out too well because by the time the armaments were, uh, were shipped to Europe, the war was over. But we sent our troops first without most of it. And then President Harding came in and he dismantled a lot of the regulations, lowered taxes. Oh, they, they also instituted the income tax rate. 1913, uh, a 1913. very,
1: very bad year. <laughs> three bad things, right? The yeah. Federal Reserve, the income tax, and direct election of senators. Those are three nails yeah. on the coffin of freedom. But we'll get to that on some other program.
2: And what most people don't know, by the end of President Wilson's term, the 1920-21 20, economy contracted by over 20%. That was the biggest depression in this country's history. President Harding, who is generally called the worst president that ever lived, by academics, lowered taxes, cut regulations, paid off the Wilson debt, and we had the Roaring Twenties, which was the greatest period of economic expansion in our country's history. Sorry. But the Fed had to mess it up. They decided to keep lowering interest rates, which is something that happened more recently with the uh, mortgage loans, subprime lending. And, and so the market, they were... When you artificially lower the cost of money, people take the money thinking they can make a success out of something that normally wouldn't happen. So you had massive um, speculation in the stock market, and there was a little crash. But the thing that really caused the Depression was the fact that the government, uh, the Congress, and President Hoover – and decided to pass tariffs, and back then there were classical economists, and 2,000 of them told them, if you do this, you're going to cause a worldwide depression with 25% unemployment because we had a situation where U.S. manufacturers wanted to protect their industries, which weren't as... uh, what what you're talking about is the free
1: market and free trade, yeah. and we all know that when you allow government to put its dirty little hands in trade, that it, it messes it up and it creates a situation in which uh, in which trade is not free and you get poor economics after it. You know, you mentioned uh, the value of the dollar and inflation. I have another another little fact for you. Which is kind of interesting, and that is from the founding of our country until 1913, the value of the dollar actually rose by about 10 to 12 percent. From 1913 till the present, the value of dollar has lost about 99 percent of its value. And I thought one thing that's really interesting. This is a great fact about the Federal Reserve creating money. the The, the Federal Reserve creates a dollar and gives it to the government who spends it. The minute the government spends that dollar, okay, the value of your dollar goes down. So it's kind of the government gets full use of the dollar, but you don't ever after. So we've spent this program talking about some pretty interesting things about our debt. And obviously debt ain't good for nobody, not us personally, People, I just
0: love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the Hoochie Coochie Man,
1: I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything
0: gonna be all right this moment.